And now, a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive. And today, expect mostly sunny conditions with a high on life that can only come from cruising down the road on two wheels. Kids will wave, dogs will bark, and cyclists in padded shorts will instantly regret their chosen mode of transportation. Whereas you, on the other hand, will look super-duper cool. Back to you in the studio. This has been a special motorcycle weather report from Progressive, where every day's a beautiful day to ride with coverage from America's number one motorcycle insurer. Get a quote today and see what you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Good afternoon. This is a big effing deal. Whoa. 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 Yeah. Whoa. What you call an icon living? Start a record label, Miss Fish just did it. Nylon, couple five minutes. Whoa, we are too hot in the business. About to make a movie independent. Need new trucks independent. I need you to listen to the vision. All your verses sell like dirty dishes. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. I'm Joe Marino of NDT Scouting and FanRag Sports, joined by Kyle Krabs, who's the founder and director of scouting with NDT Scouting, also with FanRag Sports. And we are your hosts here on a Friday edition of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Uh, really excited for this show. We've got our good friend, Ben Solak, the National Scout for NDT Scouting, host of the Locked On Eagles podcast, and as well as an analyst for Bleeding Green Nation. And he's been doing some awesome work uh, with his new series called Contextualized Quarterbacking. And we are going to get into some deep quarterback discussion here on the show. But before we get there, Kyle, welcome. How are we doing? Hey, this is uh, the calm before the storm. We're right on the doorstep of the, the 2018 Senior Bowl, so I don't know about you, but I'm hashtag lit, ready to roll. Uh, super excited to have Ben on today. Uh, if you have not had a chance to check out some of Ben's contextualized quarterbacking uh, notes so far, he's already dropped Luke Falk and Baker Mayfield, which we'll be talking about in just a little bit. Uh, highly recommend you hit pause right now. Go read them. 
and you can thank us later when you unpause the podcast and resume. But other than that, it's a Friday. We're rolling into a weekend. Uh, I'm on the tipping point of halfway through my film assessments for the year. Hate you. So yeah, and yeah. I mean, work hard, play hard. Ready to roll. Hey, you, you got a tendency of getting ahead of me on these projects, man. I like to win. I play to win. I know, and I know, and I know that's part of it. You're like fueled to be way ahead of me, so I can uh, uh, be pissed off that I'm not a, not uh, as complete as you are. I mean, you said it, not me. I didn't yeah, say I know, that, but it's. Yeah, but I know that's in your mind. I'm not even going to. I'm not going to tell you next year. I'm not going to tell you where I'm at, so that you can't. Uh, you won't know, and and I won't have to be caught uh, chasing. So, um, but hey, Ben, dude, glad to have you. You you you're uh, I mean, you're almost like uh, a regular here on the Draft Dudes podcast, and uh, excited to have you on. How we doing, Ben? Yeah, it's been a hot sack, but I'm glad to be back. Thank you so much for uh, for bringing me on. I'm much obliged. Joe, get on it with the film work because last year <laughs> we were very crunched up with the film work, man. It was a it was a last second. No, I'm I am final spread, much yeah. further along than I was at this point last year. Uh, and Ben, uh, we we don't have to spend uh, any all nighters this year making sure that this draft guide comes out. Uh, we're we're gonna get it done. So, um, guys, we are getting close to the twenty. 18 NFL draft 103 days in fact and our number today is going to be fun Uh, 103 is also the record for the fewest points scored in an NFL season keep in mind this is a 14 game season done by the 1977 Tampa Bay Buccaneers that's an average of just over seven points per game so if you Take that across a 16-game season, it's still far less than the 140 points scored by the Seahawks. So uh, this is the worst offense in NFL history. And, and Kyle, uh, tell people how bad this thing is. I don't even know where to start. Okay, so we, ha- we have their touchdown <laughs> log. Uh, they had five touchdowns before December 11th, 1977. In a 14-game season, they had five touchdowns in seven games. They didn't score their first touchdown until October 2nd. They had one touchdown in the month of November. And it was a four-yard rush from Ricky Bell. They had just a phenomenally terrible offense. Their their quarterbacks, uh, three touchdowns and 30 interceptions on the year. Uh, completing 40% of their passes as a team. They had one offensive outburst against the New Orleans Saints, uh, 33 to 14 in week uh, 13, which broke their streak of 26 consecutive games lost to start their history as a franchise. Um, The Saints team that they beat was three and 11. So this is not exactly a crowning accomplishment. And the Saints turned the ball over seven times in this game. So I, I, I just really want to let that sink in. Uh, going through their scoring log, 3, 3, 7, 0, 23, 0, 10, 0, 0, 7, 0, 0, 33, and 17 against the St. Louis Cardinals. Not the baseball team. I don't think they played the baseball team. We have to double check, though. Um, th- this is that was that was a Don Coryell. Oh my goodness gracious! I mean, they had a stretch. 
the vast majority of, yeah, here you go, November. So they played four games in November, the 6th, 13th, 20th, and 27th. They had seven points scored and 19 turnovers in the month of November. Oh. This, this is just, this is, I said it in the pre-show, but I'm, I'm going to put it on the air. This is disaster porn. If you just like <laughs> seeing something just go totally off the rails. And just you can't look away because oh. it's so bad. This team is for you. I might convert to a Bucks fan just for this year. Ben, what 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 is going through your mind here? I mean, you're you are. Well, go ahead. What was the stat, Kyle? With the, they had like as many, they had half as many turnovers as they had first downs, or something like that. Uh, they 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 had 168 total first downs. Um, they had 46 turnovers. So I was looking at uh, passing first downs versus total turnovers. Uh, they they only they, right. This is they had thirty nine more first downs passing than they had interceptions for the year in fourteen games. Seven offensive touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh. I mean, their their leading rusher averaged two point nine yards per carry and had one rushing touchdown this season. They played fourteen games, and in eight of them, they did not break a hundred yards passing. No, they really missed Steve Spurrier, who was their quarterback the year before when they went winless and somehow had a better year than this. Imagine missing Steve Spurrier. Hey, the guy won the Heisman Trophy. Oh, that's before my time, man. This is 7.4 points per game. And the defense was stingy. It it only allowed 15.9 points per game. It was 12th in the league out of 28 teams. And that defense had 41 turnovers. So they were on they had 46 turnovers and were only minus 5. What a waste. <laughs> what a waste. Is is the main goal of this segment just basically telling Browns fans that it could be worse than retaining Hugh Jackson after a 1 and 31 season? You had me until you brought Hugh's name into it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, it's a stretch. You're, you're, you're reaching a little bit. Uh, but what we can say is I think it's fair for everyone Bonus Friday segment, raise your glass. We're going to pour one out for the 1977 Tampa Bay Buccaneers because this is just sad. This is very sad. I love this. Buccaneers fans will probably all be unsubscribing to the draft. (laughs) They listen to this segment. So we're going to move on. And uh, Ben, we want to put your project in the spotlight today. We want to talk to you about uh, how you've conducted your business here. Some interesting nuggets that you've found throughout the course of the players that uh, mainly the ones that you've dropped at NETscouting.com. We don't want you to let all the the cats out of the bag um, as far as players that you have not shared that are going to be at the senior bowl this year. Uh, So just kind of start and talk to us about when you decided you wanted to to take this approach and um, Mm -hmm. what this has been like to log this amount of information for, uh, some really prominent names, which I, I can imagine would be enjoyable to some degree because they're the names that get the most play. So you're really feeling like you have a really mm-hmm. strong grasp on uh, the players that that are going to be centered around the narrative for the entire draft season. Yeah, absolutely. And, and uh, 
I'm very fortunate that I'm able to get this work done and it's been a good time. It's funny. I never would have envisioned working this hard on quarterbacks because as a little guy myself, I always hate how much attention the quarterbacks get, to be honest. I'm always like, let's talk more about defensive tackles, guys. Like, you know, but whatever. The quarterbacks are always going to dominate the narrative. That's kind of the way that it goes. The reason I really uh, took this project on was simply the, the, the narratives we've endured the entire season. You know, there's a lot of... Uh, of silliness that goes on with understanding how quarterbacks and certain systems translate to the NFL. You know, there's no reason like mince words use euphemisms. Obviously Lamar Jackson is a huge uh, tipping point for draft Twitter and for anonymous scouts and whatever. There's all sorts of misinformation and confusion and disagreement, you know, as he can be a wide receiver, all this stuff. Then you got somebody like Josh Allen quarterback out of Wyoming, huge, you know, big arm and everything. His date will be the last that I re- release before the senior bowl, just because kind of, you know, saving that fun one for last. Obviously, he's super divisive as well. You know, a lot of people don't see what it is. It's just tools. It's just a big arm. He can't play quarterback in the NFL, but apparently teams want to take him in the first. So there's a lot of just disagreement, which is fine. But the thing is, this turns noxious quickly. It gets, you know, combative. It gets angry. And that's not productive. You know, uh, I, I was talking with Mark Schofield of Inside the Pylon, who does a lot of quarterback work, just saying, you know, I want to be able to improve the discussions around quarterbacks. Because they're not great right now. And instead of, you know, quote tweeting somebody who has a take with which I disagree and trying to make them feel foolish and stupid, which doesn't really improve anybody's understanding of quarterbacks, I said, let's let's try to get some data out there that nobody else is producing. And then hopefully this data will and this is what I kind of tag at the end of the the title. I always say contextualizing quarterbacks, you know, make better quarterback evaluations, improving quarterback evaluations. Let's use this data and let's be better at figuring out which quarterback's going to be good and which quarterback's going to be bad. If we can do that, number one, we're going to yell at each other less, which is great. But number two, your franchise is better. And you, you're not only getting better quarterbacks, but a lot of the data in the CQ tells you how to deploy a quarterback once you have him. What is he good at? What is he bad at? How should you sculpt your offense around him? And so the goal here, you know, the impetus behind making the the CQ itself was – if we're going to bicker about quarterbacks every day, let's bicker in the most informed way possible. So let's get all this data out there. Ben, I love that. Just when you started talking about improving the conversation, I really appreciate where you came from by making that comment. Uh, my first question for you, Ben, is what have you learned so far? This is a ton of data. This is a ton of work. This is a ton of you know looking at every throw and, and you know, looking at so many different components of it, is there some central theme, some central takeaway that you've had so far with with all the work that you've done here? And how are you uh, taking this information and having it impact your evaluations? Absolutely. No, I think if I had to identify one big central theme, which, you know, you can, there's a lot of things I've definitely learned sitting down and, and being really intense. You know, you go through all of a guy's game tape and in a span of three, four days, you get really intimately familiar with them, right? And so I think that the, the biggest thing that I've learned is there's promise for every player. You know, and there, there's the ability for every player to be successful somehow. I think you really can pull it off, you know, because after, you know, I do not like Luke Falk's game tape. I really don't. Luke is probably a great dude, but I'm not a fan of his game. And that being said, you know, I'd be frustrating watching him. He'd be constantly checking the football down. He'd be putting his wide receivers in, in danger by delivering the football too close to, to defenders for my taste. And then all of a sudden he'd deliver a real pretty ball 15 yards down the field, dropping it right between the linebackers and the safeties right in the bucket. He's got great touch, Luke Falk does. And it's easy to 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 watch a few games of a player and then have your take on him and then forget that there's variance in every player. And so, you know, I might say, you know, Luke Falk struggles to vary velocity. 
But I guarantee you, through all my scouting notes, I could pull up with you five, ten examples of Luke Falk varying velocity on his throws. You know, it, he does do it. There's promise for every every player, every quarterback. You got to be able to suss that out. You got to be able to draw that out. That's where you need good coaching. That's where you need good development. Some players have ceilings that are backup. I think Luke Falk's ceiling is a backup. I really do. But there's a way to make every player successful, and we forget that too often. We say, all right, I don't like the way this player plays. He's not going to be good in the NFL. He's probably not. But there's always a path for success. And so when you sit down and you're that deep into uh, so many passes for these quarterbacks, and the funny thing is a lot of the data that doesn't get onto the CQ is also very interesting in the sense of, you know, how often do they break the pocket? How often do they throw away when they're outside of the pocket and they're under duress? How many sacks do they take? A lot of this ancillary data is going to be released later when there's comparative measures for it. Right now it's purely the guys throwing the football. When you get into all all, all these takes all these attempts and everything like that you get so intimately familiar with the guy you know him really well but I guess my my primary objective is always to focus on how I could make him successful if you were my quarterback and so that's been the really fun uh part of this process I think it's a, a unique lens that I get because I've been able to sit with these guys for so long and get so in depth on all of their throws Ben I love you buddy but two things felt like you were just lecturing me right. talking about how I can't yell at people on twitter.com that wasn't that it. That wasn't it. That's how it came across, buddy. I'm just saying. Second of all, uh, with a guy like Falk, who throws 66% of his passes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage this year, um, mm-hmm. how do you stay engaged in that tape? Because I know this air raid offense, you know, we talked a little bit about this in the pre show. That's a lot of volume. Now, 459 mm-hmm. throws that you charted, uh, over 300 of those inside of 10 yards of the line of scrimmage, I would imagine. Uh, a good deal of them. Actually, I don't have to imagine you have it all laid out. Um, a lot of stuff in the middle of the field, a lot of stuff yep. swinging down to his dominant side. So 70, 75 behind the line of scrimmage uh, to his right-hand side. Um, 93 passes inside of 10 yards in between the hashes. Uh, with that kind of consistent it's like you you see the coverage kind of drop off at some point and you automatically know yeah i know where he's going with the football already because you know that that Mm -hmm. offense always has that that crosser across the middle right that that that's their check down is the drag across the middle yeah and he hit it no pretty consistently if he if he's getting guys that are bailing off at the snap he's going to hit that underneath how do you stay engaged with tape like that because that that's one thing where me, when I'm watching a guy to grade him on film, I get through game two and it's like, all right, I'm going to give him one more go, but like I'm already done with him. Like I, I know in my right. head where I feel like he's at. I know where, where his strengths and weaknesses are going to be. But you have to sit here and grind through this whole thing. So I'm just kind of curious how you – like do you play games with yourself, like looking for different tendencies as you go through, or, or how do you help yourself in that regard? Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. 
No, it's it's honestly a fantastic question. It's definitely the toughest barrier for sure. And it's funny. It's like, you know, right now we have two great examples. We have, I have Baker and Luke Falk released. Baker's game is so fun. Falk's game tends to be a little bit robotic, a little bit more predictable. But both of them, you eventually hit that wall to which you alluded, uh, where, you know, once you're about eight games into Baker, I feel like I've got a great feel for the player that he is. I got another six games left, you know, and you got to get this data in there. And you don't want to fall into a very easy trap of saying, all right, you know, Baker, all right, they're going to, you know, play action zone, uh, you know, wide zone to the left, and he's going to roll out to his right, and he's going to hit the quick flat. So he's going to be on the move outside of the pocket. It's going to be accurate because he's Baker. Everything is accurate, you know. It's very easy to fall into those tropes because you know so much of the offense now. The number one move is jams. Got to have music because that just keeps me mentally engaged. I don't know how people listen or I don't know how people watch film without jams. That's absurd. But yeah, really, I think when you said playing games, that kind of resonated with me. When you're going this deep into a player, you know, at the point where I know Falk's going to check down to the little drag stop across the middle and pick up four yards. I think like my, my first mental question to myself is, all right, what's different about this throw? You know, even if there's going to be nothing different, that's the question I want to ask myself going into it because that makes me examine all of the pieces. And the thing is, which is it helps within games. It doesn't necessarily help outside of games, but defenders get smarter. And so defenders start doing different things. And I want to see how Falk responds to that, right? It's important for me to, for, uh, it's important for me to understand, all right, middle linebacker has been dropping back into a short zone for the past 10 attempts. He knows the drag is coming underneath him. This time he decides to jump it. It's very important to me to see what Falk does on that rep. Because that's the rep where things are different. And you can't miss that, right? And so I, I do, you, if you frame it with the question of, you know, what's going to be different about this rep? What's going to be different about this throw? Not only does it keep you engaged, but it also, I don't know, it keeps you hopeful. It has you looking for those nuggets that, you know, you could really figure out something special about a player that would be missed by somebody who doesn't go through the, the same amount of volume. Ben, uh, I know right now the spotlight is on the senior bowl quarterbacks. And I know that eventually here you're going to release all this data for all of the draft-eligible quarterbacks. But keeping the senior bowl in mind, and I know we have our, our big names, Baker Mayfield, uh, Mason Rudolph, Josh Allen. But when you look at this field of other quarterbacks that are going to be there, you know, uh, Kyle Laletta from Richmond mm-hmm. and uh, Kirk Bankert from Virginia and Mike White from Western Kentucky and Brandon Silvers from Troy, is there one of these guys that uh, is maybe a little bit ahead of the pack and, and can be that – lesser known quarterback that you think uh you know could really make a name for himself in mobile and, and something that you took away from tape that you know the expectations uh what happens may, may be higher than the expectations going in yeah I, absolutely and i think the first two names you listed are the two that intrigue me the most i'm i'm higher on kurt benkert uh kurt benkert and kyle Laletta out of virginia and richmond respectively are going to be my two uh, I like both of their film a little bit more, and the data likes them both a little bit more as well, which is good. You know, it works together. Uh, I'm a little bit bigger on Benker. I'm I'm quite excited to see Benker, especially. I think it's going to be very interesting watching Benker with Josh Allen there, if both of them are there, because Benker has a few similarities to his game when you look at it compared to Allen's and the traits that make. Uh, NFL team so excited about Josh Allen mobility, uh, throwing outside of the pocket, still generating a lot of velocity, having a big arm. Benkert's got a lot of those things. I don't think he has the distance on his arm that Allen does, but he sure has some speed. He can put some mustard on it, and then he can reach down the field. You know, Kurt Benkert's numbers uh, going down, down, targeting down the field, his accuracy numbers aren't very great, especially uh, to the middle of the field. He struggles getting the ball there. He doesn't place it very well, but a lot of the times when he's thrown to the boundary and he's hitting those go routes in the Virginia offense, kind of stretching everything out 
you see he doesn't get it catchable very often, but he often is overthrowing that ball and he's placing it in a very nice spot. He's putting, he's really hanging it out there. If you were to give him like a speedster, he can really just leave the ball out there, put a lot of air under it, get it past a safety, and you can get a guy run under and go get that. He has enough distance to his arm to really run a vertical style of offense. That added on, add on the mobility. He's pretty good when he's throwing into tight windows. I like Banker. I'm very interested to see what he does up against Allen because I think they're closer, at least in my eyes from a scouting perspective, than a lot of people would have it. The other guy is Laletta. Obviously, coming out of Richmond, FCS school, he's got the most to prove, I think. He's got the most to gain because if he's hanging with FBS quarterbacks, we got to take him very seriously, right? But Laletta's release is lightning quick, man. It's real fast, and it's real. He throws a pretty ball. It's a lot of fun to watch him throw pretty much the more the story. I don't have much game film on him. I've got about four games of Laletta. That's all I was able to access between 2017 and 2016. So I wasn't able to get too much data on him, but he's real pretty release. Ball comes off great. A, a very first read heavy offense in Richmond, though. So he wasn't tested with tight windows as much as I would have liked. But when you have the release speed that he does, and he gets those Garoppolo, Tony Romo comps, when you can throw the ball that quickly, it leads me to believe he'd be good in tight windows. And so I'm really excited to see how accurate he is with wide receivers with whom he's not used to. And he'll be facing some tighter one-on-one man coverage, just simple root concepts when he's there in Mobile. And if he can deliver catchable balls into tight windows, we got you got to take him seriously as a guy who you could bring him in and have him be a game manager sort of a type. So Benker's my guy who I think is going to impress the most. Lauletta's my guy who I think has a lot to prove. He's got a lot to gain uh, this upcoming week. And my, uh, my next question is not going to be super in depth i i just have a request when this is all said and done please put each one of these players in a in a row with conditional formatting so we can break down for some of the situational data and charting by region and some of the the contextual raw data that you have as far as you know in the pocket and out of the pocket and you know how versus pressure how he does um so we can see a visual of like green is good, red is bad. Like I feel like it would be a really great kind of final. And I'm sure a sharp young man like yourself has already thought of this, but I'm just thinking out loud here, an opportunity to get all of that data laid out in one chart with the color coordination of, you know, your, your leaders in each category and your, your bottom level passers in each category uh, I think would be just a, a really tremendous visual for anybody that's listening that to this that's intrigued by this concept because you know I I would love to chart quarterbacks I don't feel like it's a realistic venture for me to pursue so seeing somebody like yourself who can do this I'm really excited about because I know first of all you know what you're talking about you wouldn't be here if you didn't. Mm-hmm. So for somebody like yourself to really tackle a project of this magnitude head on, uh, it really has me excited. And I think anybody that's listening should also be excited. So, so please, for us, the fans of this style of work that, that you're you know, t- undertaking this labor of love, give us that chart at the end because I think that'd be great. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'll tell you two things. One, absolutely. The fact that you, you know, director, you're at NDT, you're producing – a draft guide with 300 names in it means that it's less valuable for me to go through the same 300 names, you know, for NDT listeners and for NDT readers. And so I want to provide something that was different that provides new information. And then the second thing, read those heat map charts. Uh, I'll put it to you this way. Uh, I'll have mock-ups for you this weekend. Most likely. If you look on the, uh, if you look on the, um, 
on the individual charts because I'm releasing one chart per day with, with some notes on each individual quarterback. But if you look on the individual charts, you'll find a, a, a section on the second page that's called comparative measures. Uh, and currently it's left empty right now, top court, quartile and bottom quartile. That's simply because all the comparative data has not yet been sussed out. It's a heavy amount. But when the CQ is released, and I should say the Senior Bowl CQ is released, it's going to have these pages that you see of the individual quarterbacks on the post, but it'll also have you know, uh, just a, a session that says under pressure and we'll be able to compare a quarterback's ability under pressure under all different circumstances and then be able to do all different things for all the different contexts. That's why, you know, when it came to naming it and categorizing it, contextualizing quarterback, contextualized quarterbacking, this is understanding how quarterbacks work in context when, when, when certain things are happening to them. And so that comparative data where we say, okay, they're under pressure, who's the best, who's the worst. That's what I agree is most valuable. And that's what I'm very excited to release next week. Ben, uh, my last question for you is, you know, going into this project, I'm sure you had your own, you know, preconceived ideas about these quarterbacks and what you expected to see and kind of, you know, from your live viewings where you kind of thought you would, you would get to with these quarterbacks. What's been something that went against that, something that you really stood out that, you know, I, I thought this about the player, but after I did all this work, the truth turned out to be this. Do you have anything that stands out, uh, you know, thinking under those I terms? I like Mason Rudolph more than I thought I did. Uh, and, and I think that when I watched Rudolph, you know, just kind of uh, during live viewings, watching Oklahoma State, I kind of had what, what's been a common opinion about him, which is, okay, so this guy delivers a kind of decent, okay, you know, sometimes it dies out ball to the boundary and he doesn't have like, you know, the best velocity when he's fitting it, you know, into the short and intermediate range. And then he can chuck it, right? He can just straight punt the thing with his arm and James Washington goes and runs under it. And I'm not sure how much I like him against pressure and I'm not sold. You go into his numbers. He's got uh, you know a couple things that stick out. He's still got a couple of hairs and everything like that. But but beyond his first read, he's really not too much of an issue. Outside of the pocket, really not too much of an issue. When he's pressured is where you see the biggest problem. And then he cannot change his platform. He cannot change his throwing structure, right? So he is limited. And we knew that when we were watching his tape, right? You want to keep this guy clean and you want to let him just release it mechanically very, very purely. You don't want anything around his feet messing him around. You don't want him rolling out anything like that. But the fact of the matter is, I think you could execute an offense you know, that, that kind of fringe spot starter sort of a situation for Mason Rudolph. I wasn't sold on that just watching him, but once I got into the data, into the numbers, he can keep an offense on schedule, I think, quite effectively. He impressed me in that regard. And so I liked Rudolph better than I thought I did. It's really fun to be able to go through this data and be surprised by things. It certainly happened for a lot of people. It happened for Josh Rosen for the preliminary data that I've done with that. It's happened for Sam Darnold in a big way. Mason Rudolph's the biggest one of the senior bowl guys. Joe, you know what this reminds me of? This reminds me of the way that we conduct our scoring, right? Like we know where we stand with a guy on film. As soon as we watch him, we're like, yeah, like I think he's got like first round film or, oh, you know, maybe maybe like end of day two, beginning of day three would be like a fair based on like the on the field product. But we have these supplemental measures that change the scores and we won't know a player's final grade until after we have every piece of data. So, Ben, I think that that's yeah. kind of how I draw this comparison here where the first time I have everybody's name done on my list and I hit sort to get the big board, it's like, oh, I wouldn't have imagined that guy scored that high or kind of raises your eyebrows. Oh, I, I, I would never have guessed that 
that this guy would finish so far ahead or so far behind as some of his contemporaries that on film you really like. But uh, the, those peripheral pieces can be the tiebreakers. And I think that's an important thing for anybody to note. Uh, Ben's not necessarily strictly grading his his quarterback opinions off of mm-hmm. this project. You know, it, it's all a piece of the puzzle. It's just like what, what Joe and I do with our draft guides and our, our individual reports where you, you have the film piece, which is a very big piece, and then you have supplementary pieces that help you get that really high-resolution picture of each and every one of these prospects and, and what they do well and what they don't. Uh, ben, I'm going to give you quickly the floor to close to remind everybody where they can follow you on the Twitter Absolutely. Yeah. I'm on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. Uh, Solak is S-O-L-A-K. All of the contextualized quarterbacking, the CQ data will be going up uh, on the NDT scouting within the next week. And so if you're interested in any of these quarterback, uh, any of these guys from these schools, if you're a team that needs a quarterback, whether it's late round, early round, I got a lot of info for you. Uh, Come and get it. It's going to be a fun time. I mean, the man's speaking common sense. I think that's just go hit that follow for Ben on Twitter, uh, make NDT scouting one of your regularly visited sites throughout the course of the next four or five months. Cause we got a lot of great stuff playing. Ben CQ is certainly one of those things. Um, we've also had a good amount of other contributions from the other members of our staff. Jonah tolls just put out his, his pre senior bowl top 60 big board, which is very popular right now. Uh, he is certainly beating or marching to the beat of his own drum, which is how we like it here. Cause we like to be able to, get into a room and sit down and talk about the differences that we see in players and kind of debate those things back and forth. That's uh, one of the favorite parts about the the group that we have and the team that we've assembled here at NDT Scouting is uh, the versatility and the eye for talent and guys that are willing to, to stake a claim on a guy and, and really stand their ground and, and make the case and argument why they think they're right. So uh, that's something that I don't know how frequent you find that, in media. Uh, I, I know Mel and, and Todd like to argue on first draft a whole lot, but other than that, um, it, it's, it's a very nuanced approach to scouting, which I, I'm very proud of, very proud of all our guys, uh, Joe and Ben included and everybody else. So swing over to NGC scouting, keep in the loop because we have more great stuff like this coming down the chute all winter, all spring long. I'm Kyle Crabb signing off with Joe Marino. This is the Draft Dudes Podcast. We will catch up with you all on Monday. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon living. I am just an icon. It's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Right now, join T-Mobile and get an unlimited family plan with Netflix included so you can watch in more places than ever before on your phone, tablet, or TV. Plus, buy one Samsung Galaxy S9 and get one free with 24 monthly bill credits so you and your family can binge your Netflix favorites on your new phones. Call 1-800-T-MOBILE or visit a store today. 
Unlimited data on their network. Video streams at 480p. Small fraction of customers using over 50 gigs per month may have reduced speeds. If you cancel balances due, well-qualified customers, full price, 720 plus tax. Finance agreements required. Netflix for two screens. Terms apply. Take as little as three minutes to see if you could save on motorcycle insurance with Progressive. Come on, you've spent more time than that debating your accessories. Could use some new riding gloves. Guess I'll go with black leather again. That just seems so basic. Wait, what if I did white leather? People be like, hey, this guy's different. Or they might be like, hey, this guy looks like a butler. Yeah, okay, black leather it is. Get a quote in as little as three minutes at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates.